Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Today, I want to talk to those of us that may have lost a little bit of our spiritual passion. Now, I say that, and I'm already going to be off my notes right out of the gate. Like one sentence in, and I'm already off my notes. Because here's the thing. There could be, there's a possibility that there's some of us that are here this morning that have lost a little bit of that spiritual passion. But the truth of it is, we don't even know it. We don't even recognize it. And it's not because you just maybe made a decision all at once, but maybe you slowly drifted toward that, and you don't even recognize it. Maybe at one point in your life, you were really, really super, super close to God. You could hear His voice every day. You could hear His voice clearly. Every day. Every day you experienced his, his presence. It was incredible. It's what got you through the day. It's what got you through all of the difficulties of life that you've gone through, whether it be a health uh, issue, whether it be a job issue, no matter what it was, it was the presence of God. I have said many times in my life, God, as long as I know you're with me, I'm okay. When you read his word, it was like he was speaking directly to you. But somewhere, somehow, you lost it. You lost your enthusiasm. That's the word for the day. In fact, the title of the message today is Positively Enthusiastic. And so you lost a little bit of that enthusiasm. You lost some of that spiritual intimacy. And I want to tell you that I understand that struggle maybe more than you can imagine. I really do understand what it means to, to kind of lose that passion. I know what it's like to lose that passion and not even be aware of you, that you're losing the passion. I mean, it's not like I got up one morning and said, okay, today I'm going to walk away from God. Now, there have been times, if I'm really gut level honest, that I was kind of angry at God. And there were some days when I said, you know what, forget you. I do want to walk away from you today, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I didn't like get up one morning and say, you know what, I hope today, God, my, my goal for today is to lose my passion, my zeal, my love for Jesus. It, it just drifted. It seems like I just kind of drifted to that place. And one of those things that we find in the ministry, believe it or not, that will allow that to happen to us, we will drift because we get so busy doing God's work that we forget about our relationship with God. Things are to happen, you think. We lose that enthusiasm. So this morning, if you uh, have lost your spiritual passion, this message is for you. There seems to be two different kinds of people in the world. There are those who let their circumstances influence their enthusiasm. 
Um, there are those fair weather football fans. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When their team is winning, they're enthusiastic. When their team is winning, they're the first ones to stand up when their team scores. However, when their team starts to go south, when things aren't going so well, when the coach may be, you know, blame it on the coach, it's, maybe it's his fault that the team isn't um, prepared well enough to win those games. And suddenly those very same fans are just gone. And then there's another group of people. There are those of, you know, those folks who use their enthusiasm to influence their circumstances. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. And you know those people, right? So maybe you work with one of those people, and so maybe work is difficult, and all of a sudden that person walks through the door and work gets better. There's like somebody, you know, reached, uh, reached over and flipped on a light in a very dark room. Their enthusiasm is contagious, and what everybody else sees is negativity. That person sees positivity. They allow their, their enthusiasm to influence their circumstance. Enthusiasm uh, actually comes from two Greek words. Two Greek words, in and theos. In, you know what the Greek word in means? It means in. That was easy, right? Theos uh, means God. So the word enthusiasm literally means in God. Or it means to be filled with God. This is so incredibly important that you understand that true Spiritual enthusiasm isn't something that you work up. It's not a product of your environment. Now, I hope that what you have and what you feel on a Sunday morning, especially as our team, you know, leads us through a worship set that, that you that you are, are, are lifted up, you're encouraged. The words of those songs mean so much to you, right? And so you find this thing inside of you that maybe was a little bit down and you find it rising up in you. But here's the thing, that won't be enough. Sundays is just not enough. Spiritual enthusiasm is a posture of the heart. It's born in the presence of God. It's born in the presence of God. Did you hear me? <laughs> it's born in the presence of God by the power of God. And you don't have to go to a pep rally to get it. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but thank God. He gives us victory over our sin and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work, ah, enthusiastically for the Lord. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So this is really super important. It's not what you do, it's who you do it for. And I've talked to people over the years that said, I just want to find my call. What I'm doing right now, it's not, it's not really, it's, not, it's nothing really special. You know, I want to, I want to do something big for the Lord. Here's what I know. When you are doing, when you realize who you're doing it for, what you do is not nearly as important as you think that it is. 
when you're doing whatever you do for the Lord, it can transform something mundane into something that's meaningful. I'll go a step further. It will turn something that you think is mundane and unimportant, it will turn that into something that is supernatural. If you've been around, you know, church for a while, then you probably have heard of David, right? You've heard of the little shepherd boy, David, the little shepherd boy, David, who became king. And as a kid, he literally was filled with, in theos, he was filled with the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. He was, as a young man, incredibly spiritually enthusiastic. And if you know the story of David and Goliath, then you know what I'm saying is true. And probably yesterday, somewhere throughout the country, there was, there was a coach yesterday that maybe told his, his team, it's not a Christian college, it wasn't a Christian university, maybe it was just an average university, but this small school was gonna be uh, going up against a much larger, a much more dominant, a much more talented team. And maybe that coach yesterday told the story of David and Goliath to motivate his team to believe that they can do the impossible. It's a sweet story. For those of you who may not know the story, um, the Philistine army, and anytime you really hear in the Bible and you read the word Philistine, y'all say boo. You know, just in your head. Just do it out loud. That's what I do. Just boo, you know. So, you know, the Philistine army was at war against the Israelite army. And each side, I thought this was really cool when I studied this a few years ago. Actually, what they would do sometimes, not, not every time, but oftentimes what they would do is they would take a representative, a representative warrior to do battle. They would take, you know, the Philistine, they had their guy, and they had a guy named Goliath, and he was a giant. So he was maybe nine, nine and a half. Some people want to stretch it to maybe he was 10 foot tall. And I mean, he was a giant of a man. And he was trained. He was a warrior. And the Israelite army didn't have a single solitary soul that was willing to go out and fight this giant. And they thought, you know what? This is going to be so easy. We're going to be easily defeated. And we just don't want to be the guy that loses the battle for our side. And then one day, this little no-name shepherd boy, this little no-name shepherd boy who was too young to be a warrior, who was too small to fight. In fact, he was just an errand boy. That's all he was. He was just an errand boy. In fact, he was just a shepherd. And maybe dad said, you know what? You can take a day off from being a shepherd. And what I want you to do is I want you to take some snacks to your brothers who are maybe on the front line. They're, in, they're, they're having to face the reality of somebody's got to go out and face that giant. But nobody was willing. Until he looked at the scene, this little no-name shepherd boy who was too young to be a warrior, who was too small to fight, who was just an errand boy, looked on this scene with great spiritual enthusiasm. So I want you to watch as his enthusiasm and his confidence in God. I want you to notice what he said to this Philistine giant. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you've come to me. You, I mean, I can hear his attitude as he says it. Now, he's got an attitude. You've come to me. 
you big old tub of lard. You come to me, you come to me with a sword, spirit, and a javelin. But let me tell you what, I come to you in the name of the Lord my God. That's who I'm coming to you in the name of. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. So it's not about what he's about to do, it's who he's doing it for. Did you notice that? Did you pick up on that? So he wants to make sure that he understands that in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, it's not about me, is what he's saying. You can look at me, I'm nothing. And he goes on, he said, today the Lord will conquer you. I love this sentence. He says, today the Lord will conquer you, and I, and I will kill you, and I'm going to cut off your head. And then I'll give it to the dead bodies of your men, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What I love about this sentence, what I love about it is he says, God's going to show up and do the work. He's going to use me to do it. He's going to use me, a little no-name shepherd boy, who's not old enough to even be in the army, that's too small to fight. He's going to use me to embarrass you and to show you just how big he really is. This is raw, unparalleled, spiritual enthusiasm. So, so where did it come from? Where, where did this enthusiasm come from? Well, the short answer is this. He trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. He talked with God daily. He listened to God as God spoke to him daily. And the key word is daily. So what does a daily walk with God, what does that really look like? We're going to go back to 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to look at his conversation with Saul. Verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant. I'm humbly just here to tell you that your servant, I'm going to go and I'm going to kick his rear end. That's kind of in the Hebrew. Saul replied, are you kidding me? Dude, are you kidding me? You're not able to go against a Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're just a punk kid. That's all you are. And this guy has been a warrior from his youth. I mean, people recognized this man's potential when he was just a baby. They saw how big he was. And as he grew, they poured into him. They made sure that he knew how to fight. He's been trained. He's not just big but he's been trained well. But David said to Saul, well, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. Now, I know this is Sunday morning. I know you're like the really spiritual nine o'clock crowd, but let's just be honest. Doesn't that, isn't that a little weird? I mean, just play like you're reading it for the very first time. Again, you know the story, but I went after it. Aren't you thinking, what? Like a lion. Are y'all with me? A lion. A lion come in, took his sheep, and ran. And he said, I went after it. And then I love the next part. He says, and I struck it. Now, if it had said, you know, at least if it had said, and I shot it, I'd feel a little bit better, wouldn't you? Like, that would make more sense. See, sometimes I think that we can, sometimes we read the Bible, those of us that have been doing the Jesus thing for so long, and the little details, somehow we, we miss it. And when I saw that, I thought, this is crazy. Like you struck it. Like you, you hit a bear. Like you walked up 
smacked a bear? You've smacked a lion and then you took the sheep out of its mouth? Whoa. I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this, from this Philistine. And this mundane task of watching over sheep has turned into something supernatural all because he learned to trust God daily. And here's what it seemed to me. Sometimes I think that you probably not you, but me, I've, I've whined a little bit over the years about some of the battles that God sent my way. Are y'all with me? Anybody, anybody else? Can you raise your hand? I'll feel better about myself. Thank you. See, those of you who aren't raising your hand, boo on you. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, and sometimes I have whined and I have complained and I've said, God, why would you allow me to go through such difficulties? Why would you allow me to fight this battle? And what I learned, what I didn't know then, was God was actually saying, this ain't nothing for what's coming. Compared to what's coming, this ain't nothing. And I'm glad he didn't tell me that at the time. So he was preparing David for a much bigger battle. So why was David so curious, so sure, so confident, so enthusiastic? What gave him the courage to fight the giant? Because in the previous days, he walked with the Lord. In the previous days, he... He talked with the Lord. In previous days, he found circumstances in which he could give praise to the Lord. He could worship his God for all the little things he did in this mundane job as he's out there in the fields all alone by himself doing a job that nobody else wanted to do. He recognized that God showed up every single day in his life. So this was the same guy who years later, from a king's perspective, said, because the Lord is my shepherd, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The God that I serve, I'm telling you, he restores my soul. He makes my path straight. And even though, even though there were times when I faced the bear, even though there were times when I faced the lion, and as I stood in front of this little no-name shepherd boy, as I stood in front of the biggest, the, the, the guy that was bigger than any man I had ever seen that everybody else was afraid of, God showed up and he delivered me. So even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. He trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. He worshiped God daily in his confidence. It wasn't in himself. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't being cocky. It wasn't about him. It's not about what he was about to do. It's who he was doing it for. When the Ark of the Covenant, years later when, when he was king, and when the Ark of the Covenant came to his hometown, and the Ark of the Covenant, you just have to understand, in this moment, at this time, that was representative of where the presence of God dwelt. And he went out in the streets, and he danced enthusiastically in the street, half naked. Y'all out there? 
Can you say naked like that? Just, can you say naked on Sunday morning? It sounds like I would repent right now and ask the Lord to forgive me, right? It's in the Bible. I'm not kidding. He danced half naked. And his wife is like totally ashamed of him. And she made fun of him. But he was spiritually enthusiastic. And his spiritual enthusiasm didn't come from a click on the computer to watch a sermon. It's not where it came from. It didn't come from a drive across town to be in a service like this on a Sunday morning and, and, and sing a few songs with the praise team and maybe hear a message. It's not where it came from. And don't misunderstand me. I'm grateful for those things. I'm thankful right now that somebody online is listening to this message. And maybe it's because this is the only way that they could hear the word. They weren't able. They don't have the ability maybe to, to get to church on Sunday morning. And I'm thankful for those things. But let me tell you this. This is not enough. It's not. It's not enough. Coming to church once a week is not enough. Listening to messages online is not enough. It's, it's walking. That's why I get up at the stupid time of the morning I do. It's so important to me that I want to make sure that nothing can interrupt that time. It's, it's hanging out with him. It's allowing him to speak. It's listening. It's talking. It's conversing. But there were two seasons in his life. One where he had it, and when he had it, it was amazing. When he had it, he could defeat a big old lion and a big old bear, and he stood with confidence as he faced Goliath. And when he lost it, it was sad. When he lost it, it was, it was nasty. When David lost it, people lost their lives. If you fast forward to a time, another time when he was king, there's another famous story, and the text starts this way, 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. So in the springtime, when he should have been on the battlefield, this is weird, isn't it? As a kid, he's ready to run into a battle. Now when he's king, he allows his army to go to battle without him. One evening, he climbed onto a roof, and when he climbed onto that roof, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. He saw a woman taking a bath. When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something that he wasn't supposed to see, and he did something that he should have never done. And it cost a lot of people something that they should have never, ever lost. They lost their lives. As a kid with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God in the feet of giant as a king with apathy. He walked onto a roof to serve his comfort. How did a man, how, how, could, how could someone who had seen so much of the power of God, and I'm talking about the power of God, he never boasted in what he did. He said, whoa, man, this is awesome. How did he go from that to apathy? Because he took his eyes off his calling and he put them on his comfort. So my question to you today is, which one best represents you? Are you, 
full of entheos? Are you, are you filled with the amazing power of God? The incredible love of God? <laughs> Do you spend time reflecting on the mercy and the grace of God? Whenever you're in God, then whatever you do, it's not meaningless. Because it's not about the what, it's about the who. It's all about resting in the, who, in the who, having confidence in the who. That's me every single week right here. That's me. I love doing what I do. And I love doing what I do not because I love being in front of a crowd of people. That's not me. You don't know me. You may think that that's me, but... Honestly, I, I would be a back row guy. That, that's me. I'd be in the back. Let me, you know, all the front people, Karen would be on the front row. I'd say, see you. I won't. I'm going to be right there beside her, right? So she drags me to the front. I mean, she really, really does. I'm a back row kind of guy. But being up here on a Sunday morning, here's what I recognize. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's not, me, it's not about me being good at what I do. It's allowing God to take somebody like me and somehow, I don't know how he does it. Like, I think it's amazing that God could take somebody like me and somehow speak through me to touch your heart. And I get every week, I think I get to be a part of a miracle. And it is awesome. Because it's not about what I do. It's who I do it for. And I can so smile and say, it's I'm just going to let God do through me whatever he wants to do through me. Or do you find yourself maybe, maybe you're just a little bit spiritual, spiritually comfortable. A little more complacent. Maybe without even recognizing it, you've become a little bit more Apathetic not quite as engaged in. Are you charging into spiritual battle knowing that the Lord your God is with you, trusting that he'll never leave you or forsake you? Or are you drifting toward comfort? Are you striving for your call? Or are you drifting toward your comfort? So David had it all and he lost it. But let me tell you what I love about David. Let me tell you what I love about David. When Nathan, the prophet of God, confronted him with his sinfulness, this is what is so, so sweet. David recognized it for what it was. He recognized how far he had fallen and he cried out to God in this really, really powerful, powerful prayer in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Oh Lord. Re renew a right spirit in me. A steadfast spirit in me. Lord, he so loved the presence of God. Look at this. He so loved hanging out with God, being with God, talking with God. Allowing God to talk to him. He so enjoyed that that he said, you know what, God, please, just don't cast your spirit from me. 
or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love what I do. I love the people that we reach. And those are people that that struggle with life and are willing to raise their hand and say, you know what, my life's a mess. And And it's so easy to know when someone is truly repentant and when they truly are in spiritual recovery because they're humble and they're not pointing their finger at anybody else. They're not saying, well, you know what, it's how I was raised, my mom and my dad. And and some of these folks, I'm going to tell you what, they have some stories to tell that would break your heart. But that's not the story they tell. They don't blame mom and daddy. They don't blame a husband or a wife. They're They're not blaming anybody else. It's all about them. They recognize that it was, that they're the ones who sinned. It's nobody else's fault. And so they take responsibility for their own lives. And they say, God, you know what? It's only about me. And God, I want you to do a work in me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And take me back to that sweet, sweet place of being in your presence. I love this passage. I think this works really, really well with broken relationships. In fact, I've used this so many times over the years in marriage counseling, believe it or not. And so God speaks to this church in the book of Revelation. Anytime you go to the book of Revelation, people go, what? So I'm you know, counseling with a couple, and I said, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. They go, what? Like, what's that got to do with the price of rice in China? We're here because we're struggling in our relationship. I love this passage. Revelation 2, verse 4 says, you have forsaken your love. You've forsaken your first love. Consider how far that you've fallen. So just for a moment, Maybe you just should sit and consider just how far that you've drifted. Maybe consider the intimacy that you once had. And maybe you can be just like me and say, oh, gosh, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't like wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to defy God today. I'm going to walk away from God today. But maybe you just got busy doing good things, loving your family well. You can even serve at church too much. Like, don't tell my rest of staff I said that, but like you can. And you can be doing church work, and you can be sometimes doing God's work at the high cost of your own personal relationship with Jesus. Consider how far you've fallen. Then Jesus says this. (coughs) He uses a word, I think it's, Often misunderstood. He says, repent. He says, repent. Now, I was kind of raised that the word repent just means I'm sorry. That's not what that word means. Can you be broken? Can you be remorseful over your sin? Absolutely. I hope that happens. But it's not just being sorry. In fact, what I've learned about my own life, to be quite honest with you, is sometimes I was sorry. I was sorry I got caught. I was sorry of the consequences for my sin. Hello, anybody else? And so really what that's about is you hate the price that you're having to pay. But really, did it break your heart to know that you sinned against God? He says, repent. I don't want you to be sorry. I want you to change how you think. I want you to do a 180, not a 360. I want you to turn away from your sin. I want you to turn toward me. 
And then he says this, I want you to do what you did at first. I want you to go back when, when time was sweet and we hung out together and we talked and you talked and I listened and then, and then you listened and I talked and it was sweet and remember that time and I, I have to, this year has been the most incredible year for me spiritually. I'm not kidding you. And there's so much I want to share with y'all and I just haven't had the nerve to do it yet. It's about some of the places that we went on vacation and some of the things that I even shared with you last week. I mean, these little bitty things that God just showed up in my life and he whispered in my ear. It was so incredible. That's what I long for. You got to walk with him daily. You got to trust him daily. You got to worship him daily. Not out of, and it's not out of duty, folks. It's not out of duty. I, I heard that message. You've got to have a quiet time, and you better be in the Word, and you better pray. And when, when it was over with, it was like checking boxes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like anybody old enough to remember the day when you were in Sunday school, you had to check, lesson studied, Bible brought, offering given. I mean, they made, they made sure the offering given thing was in there, right? Maybe it was at the top. I don't remember. Anyway, I'm just saying. But that's what it was. It was checking a box. There's a difference between checking a box and longing to be with him because you miss him. There are people who walk with God and grow with God and trust God. And there are those who drift. Which one are you? Those who would say, you know what, I've lost some enthusiasm. Maybe you didn't even recognize that in the beginning. Maybe you thought, you know what, I'm good, I'm good. But maybe this morning you recognize that something, somewhere, you lost a little bit of passion, a little bit of enthusiasm, you know? Things aren't quite as sweet as they once were. Maybe just in the last week, you know, you got busy and your quiet time, you know, suffered and you haven't spent quality time with him. And anytime you're not spending quality time with him, I'm telling you, spiritually you'll go downhill. Church won't be enough. The music won't be good enough. The preaching won't be good enough. You'll be searching online to find a better preacher, better singers, and then they won't be enough. It's the intimacy that you have with God daily, the trusting Him daily, the, the spending time with Him daily. Where are you? If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I want that, I want that passion back. I realize I've lost it. I've been drifting. I'm going to take some action. I mean, if you don't take action, you know, praying a prayer saying, God, forgive me, I just got to be honest with you. It won't be worth the time praying it. You've got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, things have happened. Our relationship has slipped, and it's not your fault, it's mine. <coughs> and God, I want it to be different. I'm going to make time for you. I'm going to carve out time every day and say nothing is going to affect this time. Nothing's going to interrupt my time with you. Nothing. Maybe you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, but you can honestly say, and I've talked to these folks over the years that would say, you know what, i got to be honest, I don't know if I ever had it. And maybe that's because salvation was all you really wanted. Maybe your prayer was never really a prayer of commitment. 
Maybe it wasn't really a prayer of brokenness. You know what I'm talking about? I just don't want to go to hell when I die. I mean, I've never said, I've never given invitations. How many people will go to hell today? Anybody ever raise their hand? I mean, really, that's a pretty easy one, right? And so maybe what you wanted was fire insurance, but really when it comes down to it, there was never, you've never really had any spiritual passion. You don't talk to him. You're not in his word to find out who he is. You're not pursuing him. You just got your ticket punched. And if I were you, I would really want to reconsider my salvation. Am I trying to talk you out of your salvation? No. But I am trying to get you to understand that this is not about coming to church. It's not about these things. It's about a relationship, a transforming, unbelievably sweet relationship with God. That's what it's about. Maybe there are those of you that are here this morning and you just know you don't have a relationship with God. And you know what? This morning, somehow, Holy Spirit has taken the words that I've spoken and He's drawn you in. And maybe you're thinking, I, I want that. I, I just never really heard a relationship with God talked about like that. That I can like walk and talk with the Creator of the universe? Yeah. It's awesome. It's so awesome when He speaks to you. I've had times in my life when literally he would whisper in my ear and say, I love you. It makes you melt when God shows up and tells you that he loves you. Such an intimate, sweet way. Here's what I want you to know if you're not a follower of Jesus. I want you to know that God's crazy about you. And he proved it. Those aren't just words on a page. He proved it. God said, I love you so much that I'm going to send the best that heaven has. I'm going to send my son. And Jesus Christ came to earth, 100% God and 100% man. Figure that one out. And if you do, let me know because I still haven't figured it out. And then what Jesus did was he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then as the perfect lamb of God, he went to the cross and on the cross, he allowed them to strip him naked, beat him almost to death, put him on a cross, suspend him between heaven and earth, and die to pay the penalty for our sin. Why would he do such a thing? I told you he's crazy about you. And he wants a relationship with you. It's about the relationship. It's about the relationship and he wants to walk with you he wants to talk with you he wants to speak to you and you know what he just tickles him to death when we just want to come and sit down and chat with him and he listens he's all ears and he's going wow these are my kids I, I just can't help but think that sometimes he, he maybe turns to Peter and says hey come here come here look at this right here that's my boy right there that's my girl right there listen he wants to be in a relationship with you. And he did everything possible. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to pay the penalty for your sin. And just so you know what you feel right now, certainly it's not the talent or gift of a pastor. It is the supernatural power of God. Holy Spirit showing up to draw you to himself. He was resurrected on the third day. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. Resurrection power. 
And right now, he'll step into your life if you'll ask him to. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, then I don't know how you'd start your prayer. Maybe you'd just say, wow, God, I had no idea. I didn't didn't know it was about a relationship with you. I didn't know. I I didn't know how much you loved me. I didn't know the price that you paid so that that relationship could be made available to me. I didn't know. But now I know, and so I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I need a heavenly Father. I want to be one of your kids. Fill me with your Spirit. I'm weak. I can't do this on my own. And teach me. Teach me how to walk with you. Teach me how to talk with you. Teach me, oh God, how to invest in a relationship with you. Father, hear hear the prayers, Lord, of broken people, remorseful over sin. But more than just being remorseful over sin, is seeing that sin broke that relationship between you and them. God, for those people that just acknowledge that they don't have that relationship, but they want it, and they're fully surrendering their lives to you. Wow. Based on your word, Lord, right now, you're throwing a party in heaven. Just over the fact that they want to be one of your kids. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, you've been so incredibly good to me. Lord, forgive me when I get way too busy. Lord, even over the last few months, I've I've realized that my prayer list has gotten so long that it's kind of shortchanged our time. And Lord, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do all that, get it right. But I know that I can't, I can't sacrifice that. My relationship with you, Lord, is the only thing that keeps me going. So, Lord, thank you for your mercy, your grace, your goodness. Thank you that you pursue us. And, Lord, continue to do something in this church. What we've experienced, Lord, over the last few weeks has been absolutely amazing. And, Lord, we give you all of the honor and the glory and the praise. We know it was you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray and give thanks.